During the season of Epiphany, the Revised Common Lectionary is following the early ministry of Jesus as he makes his way from Bethlehem to Calvary. So Christine and Katie and I have been looking at those lessons with you to see what we can learn about the Christ-like virtue during this difficult time with lingering pandemic and racial discord, political divisiveness. This sermon series is called The Impossible Possibility for an Impossible Time. It's Reinhold Niebuhr who called Jesus the impossible possibility. This story from Luke chapter 5. Once while Jesus was standing beside the Sea of Galilee and the crowd was pressing in to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore. The fishermen had gone out and were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Peter said to Jesus, Master, we've worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet you, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish. When they brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I called my friend on some church business the other day, and it turns out he's ice fishing somewhere in the wilds of Wisconsin, and when I asked him if he was having any success, he said, well, there's a reason they call it fishing, not catching. You know, the activity of fishing can be a metaphor for futility, right? When you say that somebody is going on a fishing expedition, what you mean is that he is looking for something that is not there, and he will not find it. One day Simon Peter and his fishing buddies participated in just such a futile fishing fleet. Peter complains, we've been working all night long but have caught nothing. So they give up, beach the boats, and begin mending their nets on the beach. Just then this itinerant rat rabbi comes by and begins preaching a sermon on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. The crowds are so big they're beginning to push him into the water so he hops into one of those nearby boats, pushes 30 feet off to shore, and begins preaching from the prow of the boat, which is why many Christian churches have a pulpit which is shaped like a boat, as in Moby Dick. When Jesus finishes his sermon, he hollers over to St. Peter, Peter, do your job, get back in your boat. Peter protests, it's futile, we've got nothing. But he does what he's told, he goes out into the sea, and he ends up landing the, the biggest haul he's ever caught in his entire career. Ironically, the biggest haul of his career is also going to be the last haul of his career because Jesus says, follow me, from now on you will be catching people. 
Now notice that Jesus calls Peter after a long night of futility and frustration. I'm just wondering if there's anybody here this morning who's worked all night but then faces the rising sun empty-handed. Master, we've worked all night and all we've been able to haul up is this seaweed and detritus, this flotsam and jetsam. It just doesn't seem to amount to much. Jesus calls Peter at his moment of barrenness. So never stop listening to the voice of Jesus during your long night of futility and frustration. Because it could be that Jesus is setting you up for implausible plenitude and strange new glories. Do you have gaps in your resume? You know what I mean? Uh, Your resume might look like this. You might say, second grade teacher Joseph Sears School, 2005 to 2012. Then the next item might be third grade teacher at Hubbard Woods School, 2015 to 2019. Now, any prospective employer is going to ask you about those gap years of 2013 and 2014. What were you doing during that empty space? Were you playing golf? Were you watching Netflix? Why couldn't you find a job? Kimberly C. Patton is a professor at Harvard Divinity School. Her students ask her when they're applying for positions in churches or in graduate programs, her Her students ask her how they're to explain the gaps on their resume. And Dr. Patton tells them always to submit honest resumes. Say this, she says, I took in a child whose mother was in prison. Say this, I battled an addiction and I won. Say this, my husband was crushed by a boulder in my backyard and I tended to his grave. Say this, My marriage made in heaven went to hell. Say this, I took photos of skulls left by the Khmer Rouge. All of these gaps are things that have happened to Dr. Patton's students. And she says these gaps on the resume are the abysses into which we fall from time to time and in the process fall into the hands of the living God. Yes, these abysses, from them we fall into the hands of the loving God. Sometimes it's so clear what God is calling you to do and where to go. It's as if you're mending nets on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and you hear your name. Don't be afraid. Follow me and I will make you catchers of people. That's a a vivid An odd metaphor, right? From now on, you will be catching people, says Jesus. I heard about some wonderful catchers of people the other day. Mai Mai Chow is a documentary filmmaker from Evanston. She belongs to the First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. And one Sunday morning, she noticed an unusual person sitting in the front row. It was a girl... Uh, age 11, turns out her name was Hayden Curry. Mei Mei Chow introduces herself to Hayden. Hayden has linear nevus sebaceous syndrome, which distorts her facial features a little bit and also limits her cognitive ability. 
So Miss Chow was finding out about Hayden, and it turns out Hayden is from China. When she was five years old, she was abandoned on a train, just left alone all by herself, probably because of her physical appearance. This happens in China. So she spent the time between five and nine in an orphanage when uh, Elizabeth and Judd Curry bat, uh, adopted her and brought her to the States. Miss Chow found out when talking to the Currys that when they adopted Hayden, they already had five biological children of their own. And so Hayden made it six. And then after they adopted Hayden, they had two more biological children of their own, making it eight. And then after that, they adopted four more children, all from China and Vietnam, all with special needs, including one who has facial distortions like Hayden herself. Twelve children. Seven you brought into this world, and five you did not, but you heard Jesus calling your name, saying, will you take responsibility for these unwanted people? Miss Chow is making a film about them called Hayden and Her Family. You know, it isn't easy for the Currys. Money is tight. They have medical issues. The five kids with special needs have emotional and medical and cognitive challenges. But Elizabeth and Judd Curry just consider themselves to be catchers of people. They are determined to redeem as many of God's lost and fallen children as they possibly can. I like to think that the Currys heard the voice of Jesus at the First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. It isn't always easy to follow the summons of Jesus. Sometimes he asks us to do things which seem impossible to us. Look how Peter reacted when he first meets Jesus. Sees that catch of fish. He says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I don't belong to the same world you do. You come from far away and higher up. You're asking too much of me. You're the impossible possibility. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. The English poet Dorothy Sayers calls Jesus that mirror of strange glories. And what she means by that, I think, is that in Jesus' presence, Peter sees a double reflection of himself. We will see a double reflection of ourselves. First, Peter will see what he is without Jesus, and he will also see what he could be with Jesus' help and hope and power. And this is not easy. We step into this larger Christ-like world when we confront him and welcome him into our lives. We say to Jesus, you ask too much of me. You ask what I can't give. But he just says, don't be afraid. Follow me. And you will see wonders you never imagined and accomplish feats you never dreamed. I will never leave you. I will walk before you to mark your path and beside you to companion your way and beneath you to catch your fall. Peter left his nets to drift and his extravagant stash to rot on that beach and ended up winning the world for Jesus. So if you are enduring just now a long night of futility and frustration, 
Just continue listening for the voice of Jesus and follow Him and maybe you will discover strange, new glories. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.